All right, guys, a little GM tip, a little advice. Never give your players an explosive device and they'd be surprised that they use it. Hey everyone, this is Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor doing a in-office podcast today. I have been trying to record a podcast pretty much this entire week and it has not worked out. I've either been interrupted by phone calls when I was ta- doing the podcast on my phone, which happened several times, or the audio file was corrupted. And uh, so I've, I'm at home now, so hopefully I have a little bit more control here and I can uh, finish this one. So let's get to it, guys. Yesterday, I released my 80th micro adventure, guys. Macium Sewer. Uh, doesn't include all my micro locations or NPC cards, but 80 for the adventures. It's quite a, quite a haul there. And this is one of those adventures where I call it like a found adventure. You're not going to find any artifact or big baddie or secret to reveal in this one. It's just a place that existed at one time, had a purpose, and fell into disuse and forgotten. There's there's no big background story about it. Um, you know... There's really nothing to draw the party here. What it is, is it's a place that's out there, maybe in a hex crawl that you have. And it's just found. They just come across it by maybe accident. However, if you need a reason to, you know, have someone come across it or something within it to kind of connect with what your ongoing campaign is or your adventure stuff, I've included a few hooks in there and I kind of list it in the notes of the adventure. And if you guys are interested, I should have let off with this. This is at my Patreon at micro adventure. Tim shorts creates micro adventures. So if you go onto the Patreon, just uh, go in the search for micro adventures and you'll, it'll come up and the PDF is for free for anybody to download. This one is art free right now. Also Jim Magison is getting me two pieces of art for it. And they look spectacular from what I've seen so far. And I'm really excited about getting the finished pieces. And then once I get those finished pieces, I will be sending it off to my patrons. And uh, they'll get to enjoy the beautiful art that Jim did. So what I wanted to do today, guys, is to go over each of the rooms and kind of tell you how I created this adventure. For this adventure, what I did is I took tables from three different books, the original Dungeon Master's Guide, uh, the one with the uh, first, you know, the first edition one with the Ifrit on the cover. And then I took a couple tables from, I think, the third edition one, and then from Joseph Block's uh, random table one that I just got recently on PDF. So I printed them out, and I just randomly generated this, this dungeon, the map too, and the contents. So what I did is I just took a piece of paper and just started rolling the dice, creating um, what the dungeon looked like and, and whatnot. So on the first, in the first room, 
There's there's dried blood around the entrance. The walls, floors, and ceiling are made from the same rough-hewn planks. The tunnel is five feet wide and eight feet in height. Now, for this one, I rolled actually a trap. And because at the end of this hallway, there's this old uh, uh, arrow trap. Now, this is because this is sort of like a found and old place. It's not like it's a, a, a layer where someone's taking care of it. So the stuff there is going to be a little jacked up, so to speak. So th there's a pressure plate right at the entrance um, that people, if they're checking out the floors or whatever, would probably see fairly quick. But it's kind of jammed up, and only a, there's a one in six chance of a character setting off the trap. So just because it's there and people step on it doesn't mean it's going to work just because it's been sitting around for ages. And then it does some damage to to, to uh whoever gets sets it off by accident. Now there's a really good chance when you're doing random tables to generate a dungeon that a bunch of the rooms are going to be empty. I'm not a fan of empty rooms. If you're going to have an empty room, I guess don't bother with putting a room there or don't bother putting uh, a uh, number by it and say it's an empty room. That's just sort of a waste of time, I think. Or you, or uh, just, I think it, every room should have something, even if it's just small. Like for this one, this is what I put in this one. The door, the room is stuck. Uh, the rug woven from old clothing is crumpled next to the southern wall and the floor is scarred. So basically what I wrote up when I rolled up for this one, it was an empty room and the only thing that it had in it was a rug. Uh, and then the other thing I actually rolled was the comb. There's a comb underneath the rug. It's beneath the rug. It's yellow. It's made from bone, yellowed with age. And the scars on the floor was a feature that I rolled up and I, you know, was basically caused by uh, moving heavy furniture. Uh, so whoever got here before they looted the, the furniture that was in here. So just as that simple act, I mean, and, and it kind of makes sense. Maybe players can kind of get a feel of maybe what this was before. I mean, there's not a lot there, but it gives hints of its history or hints of what was once here. And, and, it, and it gives the idea that it, this place is lived in. Now the next noted places three but it's just a random monster place so w there's a section in the corridor where uh the gm will determine what's going to be there and i just did a simple 1d4 roll uh if the gm rolls a one there's kobolds waiting around the corner to throw javelins and then they'll flee through the rest of the dungeons and probably has harass the, the party number two bandits are drunk or the bandits these guys are drunk and ready for a fight uh, troglodytes, uh, camouflage to hunt, but their stench permeates the area. And last is a large spider corridor is blocked by thick webbing. So, um, so there's there's four different four different things could happen. Wiggy's next to me and she's she's whining. I don't know what she wants. What Wiggy? <laughs> uh, but this is a chance for to change up the adventure a little bit and actually add to it, especially with the kobolds. Because they can, they can definitely be a harassment force in here a little bit. 
Um, and then also the troglodytes can be a nasty encounter on top of it. But it's it's just basically a random thing that can happen in this part of the ca- uh, the corridor. Uh, number four is dust room. This is again the one that I rolled up was empty. But usually what I do is there's like 12 tables in the back of the original GM's guide. And I just roll a D12 twice, and then I roll on those tables and just tr- generate some sort of thing inside of room. So the door is locked. The room is covered in a layer of undisturbed dust. A three-legged stool sits in the center. Not much there. But however, the, you know, why is there a stool in the center? Who knows? But if they search... The, the dust, they're going to find a silver ring. And inside, the inscribed on the silver ring is a triangle. Now, that's one of the hooks that I mentioned in the beginning of the adventure that uh, the, player, the, the GM could tie in whatever they're doing to maybe this ring or give a hint of maybe somebody was here and do that tie-in. All right, guys, I got to take a second and let Wiggy out. All right, the dogs are outside. Let's see how much we can get through this before they start yapping their heads off or have to get help the wife get groceries out. So room five, uh, door is stuck. There's a one, uh, one-foot holes chewed through the bottom of the door. The sound of flowing water and squeaking is heard from inside. Water flows through four holes at the base of the walls and into a pool at the center of the room. Dozens of rats, including a few that are as large as dogs, scurry around the pool. Now, the... Cool thing about this one is, is I included rat swarms, and I didn't even. I, I think it was BX that had the stats one. They're kind of nasty. I mean, they they have a AC eleven, so they're easy to hit. And they only have one hit point, but you know they do one d three points of damage, and uh, you know they they cause disease. So that's of course always pretty bad. And then there's a few giant rats in there. Again, this is one of the, I think this is, so we're in room five and this is the first time we're really, well, I guess in room three, we did an encounter, random encounter, but I think this is the first time where there was an actual encounter in the dungeon room. So it was all the way to number five. This is a 13 uh, room uh, sewer. So uh, the were rats there, there. And then inside the pool, there's a few few petrified bodies with a few trinkets on them to, to to get. Now, one of the things I added in this one is the uh, the rats are feasting on a pair of petrified bodies floating in the pool. There are 52 silver pieces, two gems worth 20 silver pieces each, uh, and a coin purse on one of the bodies. The second body has a bell patch with 32 silver pieces and a collection of sprigs tied together by a red ribbon. This is something I like to do in my game. While I am not a big fan of spell components, as in, you know, you need this to cast this, I do add these kind of spell components to enhance spells the players want to cast. Sometimes a spell component will be dedicated to a spell. I think, for, for an example, if, if you find a, lo- a, a spider web, a giant spider web, and you cut out the center of the spider web, I will let the caster when he, when he casts a web spell to cover twice the area because he has that, but then it's depleted after that. So they're kind of fun enhancements that are very, what do you want to call it? Exhaustible. Cause as soon as they cast it, 
part of, you know, that, that component goes away. So I added that in there. The next one is the secret door. And this is what, you know, the secret doors are, are always fun. I always like secret doors in just different places, places that you wouldn't normally think. I mean, it, Everybody kind of seems to look for secret doors at, like at a dead end, but that seems like always an obvious place to put a secret door. Maybe put it in the middle of the hallway where nobody's looking or right beside a regular door. Uh, so this one is doors flush with the wall. It opens by pressing the section of the wall in and then to the side. It makes a lot of noise. And then a chance for a random encounter goes up to three and six at that time. The seventh one is uh, the door's locked and it's jammed with a broken pick debris, and then inside the debris and cobwebs fill the room. Now be, beneath the debris is a wooden trunk. The wood is rotting, but it's still intact. It's not locked. And within are three stone idols with crude facial features. Now this is another one where I wrote, rolled up a, a random contents and it was debris and basically st stone idols. So I throw them in there, but if I need them to be something, I can make them into anything. They're just generic stone idols right now. This is another one of those hooks that I put in the beginning again that the players uh, could could or the GM could uh, connect the players to, like looking for these things. And it's not you know it's not like they have to beat up a big baddie. It doesn't you know this could be the the end of the quest the GM can send them on or an NPC sends them on and that's it. Maybe they want these, these idols for something. Maybe it's just another spell component or who knows. It can be whatever the GM wants it to be to suit their needs. And I like putting these little generic items in there because sometimes that's just what they are. They're just stone idols and they're, they're not worth anything. But if the game decides that it wants to be something else, then we make it something else. Number eight, uh, stench of carrion emanates from the room. Carcasses of a deer, dog, kobold, and human hang from hooks, secured them to the ceiling. Butcher block with a cleaver stuck in the top sits in the center of the room, and a human-shaped target with a javelin in the center is against the wall. So uh, that one there, guys, another roll-up one. I don't remember what I rolled up in that one. I think it was the butch was the ja I remember this is the javelin and I think it was carcasses. So the rest of the stuff I just sort of added no big bad monster in here kind of hints that maybe some gruesome things here, but um, nothing's in there. Now, number nine, half eaten sandwich. I like this one. The alcove has a small table and stool. On the table is a half-eaten jelly sandwich, and I think in the the GM section, it's like my player would de my my character would definitely go eat that half jelly sandwich. Um, and then we get into another creature. Uh, hissing is heard from inside. It's a six foot, foot long lizard with six legs, uh, nudging a half-eaten gob hot kobold corpse against the wall. Between the wall and the ceiling is a three foot gap. And length and two feet in height. So you got a big giant lizard here that will munch you up. And inside the gap are three lizard eggs, and those could be sold for 50, 50 silver each. 
they're fragile and weigh 10 pounds. So, you know, they're not going to be easy to tote around in there. It's not like you're going to be able to just put them in a sack and tote them around that easy. But, and also within the gap are a few regurgitated items, a pot helm uh, in decent condition, a chewed up money belt with 11 silver pieces and eight copper pieces, a broken wood axe, various bones, a gem worth 10 silver pieces, and a vial. Potion of longevity coated with lizard spit. Ew. And then this one was just a dead end with a collection of skeletons of various races, kobolds, humans, and rats have been discarded in a heap. They have nothing of value. Again, it's a little simple encounter. And it, it, it's not there. I guess I, I like these because it sets the tone. Like, you know, it's quiet here. And you're going to be doing random encounters while you're doing this also. And not all random encounters are just going to be, okay, you roll up, you, you roll up like, I don't know, orcs or something like that. And it's not like, you know, I guess this is the way I don't do it. I don't roll orcs and just say, oh, orcs appear at the, at the bottom of the, the, the hallway and they charge and attack you. I mean, I'm going to take a look at what the situation and say I roll up orcs. Well, I'm going to say the party hears the sound of, I don't know, orcish by several orcs. They can tell that it's there and it's up to the north. And what precautions are you going to take? And, and if anybody speaks orcish, they'll know that the orcs are suspicious because they know that they see a light coming from this tunnel and they don't, you know, they don't need a light. So they're, kind of curious what's going on down there so they know the party will know that they're coming in their direction or the party won't be able to understand orcish and just know that the noises are getting closer and who knows maybe there's only one orc in his like nightgown or something like that he just got woke woken up and he comes around the corner sees the party and he's just like whoop and then he turns around and hightails the hell out of there you know it's okay to have stuff that's non-combative it could it could definitely lead to more interesting situations but there's nothing wrong with an all-out fight but just know that not, don't have your random encounters always be, and they don't always have to be like in the corridors. And they don't, and your numbered encounters don't always have to be in rooms. You can switch it up. Like for, for the dead end one and everything, I probably would make an extra random encounter down here just to make it interesting. But no, you know what? I wouldn't do that because here's why. Because the lizard's in this damn room and the random encounter is going to stay away from this damn lizard because they don't want to get eaten. Except maybe the troglodytes. Maybe they have some sort of vibe with them and they they know that they, they can get past them without any problem. And 12, uh, the door is open but slides into the wall. Uh, it, it closes if nothing is prevent, done to prevent it. There's a strong acidic smell in the room. Tattered cloak hangs on the wall next to a small bench with rotted leather sandals beneath. Now there's gas. Now what's inside here is gas is uh, in the room seeping out of the ground upon entering a save versus poison is required or become disoriented for three D six rounds. What does that mean exactly? If I'm GMing, I'm just going to have the players uh, I'm going to have them roll a die and whichever number they roll, that's where they wander to. And, and for three D six rounds, they have a chance of encountering, having a random encounter and being all separated and they wouldn't be able to find their way back to where the uh, combat's coming from. So that's where the danger comes from that. But then you also have this part of it 
is I like to add levels of failure sometimes. And in this case, if they miss their failure by five or more, the character reacts as if under an influence of a fear spell. There's no fear spell in uh, BX, I don't think. But basically, all I would do, instead of this saying disoriented, a fear spell, they're going to be running as fast as they possibly can um, to get out of there. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make good choices. Like when they're running down the hallway, maybe they forgot they came in right and they turned left instead. So they can just run right run themselves right into another horrible situation. The thing I, I think I uh, rolled for this one was the, was it, it was the, for this room, I think the only thing it was empty no trap. I kind of did the whole gas thing on my own. And then the only thing I think that was in here was the cloak and the, and the sandals when I rolled up, uh, rolled it up. But it gave me the inspiration for the other stuff. And then 13 is our conclusion with the broken shrine. Smashing and harsh guttural speech is heard beyond the door. An ogre is raging. It's smashing an altar and already obliterated two statues. And the ogre... And the ogre has is contracted an aggressive disease from defiling the altar of Kossuth, one of the seven gods of death. So you got this ogre in here just, just smashing the shit out of everything. And he has a chance of causing disease on his hit because of what happened. And the victim becomes enraged and will attack until dead. Unless he saves, unless the victim saves, then it negates it. Then there's some treasure mixed in with the debris and everything, but it's a very simple adventure. And then at the end of this adventure, what I did is I, I provided 20 different hireling slash NPCs, gave names, uh, what classes they are, their six attributes, and then two personality traits. So for Elva, she's female, elf. 12 strength, 14 intelligence, 8 wisdom, 9 dexterity, 9 constitution, and a 10 charisma. She's lustful and lazy. Nothing more annoying than a horny, lazy elf, huh? And then for each of the classes, there's seven different classes, I gave a four-item pack that goes with them. So say these are NPCs that the player hired, you know, some of them, then that way their equipment's right there with them. But... Why I also made them is in the beginning for my random encounters, it's a 2D4 and number two is adventuring party. A young brash batch of adventurers have entered the dungeon and are looking to make their mark. So the GM would just roll up a couple, I, I rolled from the, uh, NPC hirelings list that I put in the back populate their party. And that would be the encounter. And then there's, and then if you roll an eight, there's a lone adventure, a lone adventure is staggering through the party. He or she was with has died. The adventure is at half hit points and will join the party randomly choose a halfling, then populate the next room or corridor with one D four NPCs, then roll again to determine what killed them. So basically that's where the party's dead at. So maybe the, party got killed by they could be laying in the dust room or different things so these are different ways to make a simple adventure but give it a little bit of uh, flexibility in what the players encounter and how they encounter it and how they interact with it um 
Yeah, so for my random encounters, I just use a 2D4. I have the adventuring party. Then I have troglodytes, kobolds, bandits, uh, giant rats, rat swarm, and then the lone adventurer. So, yeah, so that's a peek into this adventure, guys. I hope it wasn't too painful. I do love in writing these, and I can't wait till I get the artwork from Jim. I got to do a little bit more editing on it, but um, I'll get that done before I send it out to everybody. So, hey, everyone, thank you for listening, and I hope you get to the gaming table soon. Roll better than me, and we'll talk soon.